What is up, ladies and gentle nerds? This is Graham, also known as HamHawks42 on the internet, and today, like every day, is another episode of Overthinking MTG, the unedited, unscripted show where we look at a random magic card and I just say whatever comes to mind. And in a lot of cases, it's uh, relevant to the card, and in other cases, well, not so much. Let's see what we have today. So I'm going to go ahead and click the random card button. I have not seen this until now. Well, okay, I'm familiar with this card. This is Mentor of the Meek. It is a 2-2 for 2 generic and a white, so 2-2 for 3. Creature, human soldier. Whenever another a creature... Let me try that one more time. Whenever another creature with power 2 or less enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay one generic. If you do, draw a card. And then it has the flavor text. In these halls, there is no pass or fail. Your true test comes with the first full moon. Ah, interesting. So I find this kind of fun. It, this was uh, from Commander 2016. It looks like it was originally printed in Innistrad, which makes sense given the flavor text. So actually, I wasn't aware that this was from Innistrad, uh, and I'm assuming that the full moon is relevant because there are werewolves everywhere on Innistrad because it's just the worst, most horrific version of uh a Halloween kind of situation that you can ever imagine. All right. So this card is actually really great. It's been reprinted a handful of times, and I believe in some Commander products, specifically because, well, it's great in Commander. One of the keys that this card has that a lot of cards don't is card draw in white. It is a mono-white card that is capable of drawing you cards. Now, it's not as good as a lot of other card draw effects in other colors, that allow you to draw stuff whenever, uh, say, a creature comes into the battlefield. So in this case, a creature with power 2 or less. So you have a specific type of creature that needs to come in, and then you need to pay 1 for it. When you compare that to something like um, Beast Whisperer in green, which I believe is a 3-3 three, three, four, four. I could be wrong on that, but I do know that whenever a creature comes into play, you draw a card. Same with, I believe it's Primordial Sage, Primor... Primeval Sage? Primeval Sage, I think is the... Anyway, it's a spirit from Ravnica. It's a 4-4 four, four for 6 with the same ability, where you draw a card every single time you play a creature. So in that situation, you're getting it right when you play a creature. Any creature, doesn't matter the color, doesn't matter the stat line, doesn't matter the creature type, nothing. None of that, it doesn't care. It's just a creature. Now that's green. Well, green cares about creatures. That makes sense. Well, white cares about little creatures. You know, going wide with white is something that you see a lot. And when I say going wide, that's an expression meaning using a lot of creatures, and they tend to be smaller rather than using one or two creatures that are bigger. Um, you know, tall versus wide is the kind of colloquialism there. So with Mentor of the Meek down, if you're playing a white weenie deck, as it's known, that focuses on small, low-cost creatures and going wide, you're not spending a lot of mana on those creatures, and you have an opportunity in here to actually sink a little bit more of that mana, or sink some of your mana. Basically, for any of these little creatures, you can have them cost an additional one, and you draw a card. And the other cool thing is, well, okay, so that's when it enters the battlefield. So you do have to, you do have to play it. Although, actually, I want to point out, this isn't only for when a creature with power this isn't only for when you play a creature with power 2 or less. This is when a creature enters the battlefield under your control that has 2 or less. So, if you take... I, I'm seeing some opportunities here for some political shenanigans. Um, there are cards that allow you to create 
um, tokens under your opponent's control. Cards like Dowsing Dagger, which is an equipment that when when it comes into play, your opponent, your the opponent of your choice, uh, creates two zero one plant tokens. And then when Dowsing Dagger deals damage to a player, you get to flip it and turn it into a land that can tap for three mana of any color. So Dowsing Dagger is a really great ramp, but kind of the flavorfully, the idea is it's kind of a machete that you need to use to cut through the undergrowth. And well, your opponent gets blockers that you would have to like cut through in order to deal the damage and get the benefit. Of course, you put that on something with evasion, which is the right play, and those plants don't really become super valuable. However, if you have an opponent who is going wide and leveraging um, leveraging their board state, perhaps they have something like Heliod in play that is just a crazy combo engine, and they're able to leverage that along with the Mentor of the Meek um, to do fun, crazy, crazy things. If you want to befriend that person at the table, and they have the mana to burn, when you play your Dowsing Dagger, you can give them the plant tokens. And then they can pay two and draw two cards. Because it would trigger Mentor of the Meek's ability twice. because You know, once for each plant token. So that's kind of cool. The other one that comes to mind is, um, there's a whole series of cards that have the, the word hunted in the title. There's the hunted Wumpus, there's hunted Phantasm, hunted Lamasu, I believe is one of them, or Lamasu, however you pronounce that. And they are cards that are very good for their stat line. They have some kind of really incredible benefit and are very cheap. But when they come into play, you create tokens for your you, that your opponent gets. Um, so Hunted Phantasm, if I'm not mistaken, it's like a 3-6 for 3 that's unblockable or something like that. Like, it's very large and very powerful, but your opponent gets to create, I think it's like 4-1-1 Red Goblins, you know? And so in that situation, if you have, you know, if your opponent has Mentor of the Meek, you could, in order to curry favor, uh, you know, that's a little bit of value that you can give that opponent in a multiplayer pod so that you can... I don't know, get some good faith going, and that, that could come into play. You never know. But all in all, it, I mean, this is one of those cards where, especially in commander games, where if you're playing white, especially mono-white, if you're playing a mono-white commander deck, you need Mentor of the Meek in there. You need Mentor of the Meek, you need Smothering Tithe, uh, you probably need Heliod, but I mean, you really ought to look into Debt of Loyalty, that card rules. Like there aren't a lot of amazing commander cards um, if, that just fit whatever you're doing, and there's a really good chance Mentor of the Meek is going to get you there because it's one of the few white. It's one of the few white card draw engines that's available to you. Uh, you know, other than cards like Skull Clamp, it's it that's great and it can go in just about any deck. Uh, you know, that's going to draw you cards. Mind's Eye. Um, there are a number of other artifacts that I'm sure I, you know, I'm sure I haven't mentioned the best. But yeah, bottom line, this guy rules. Uh, he's just good. If you're playing white weenies, if you have small creatures in your deck, you just ought to have him. Because the other thing that happens with those strategies is you end up losing your hand really fast. Because when one card is just, you know, like let's say a healer's hawk, it's a 1-1 one, one for one flyer. Well, you need a lot of little creatures if you're going to be going wide, so that makes sense. You know, there are two ways that you can really successfully create a solid board state where you have a lot of creatures down. One is create a bunch of tokens. That's one of the easiest ways to do it, and you see it a lot. Um, you know, just 
have engines that create tokens. If you can do that, you can really build an aggressive board state. Oftentimes really fast, and the cool thing with token generators, a lot of the time, if they are recursive ones, or they're if they are static ones that remain on the battlefield and continue to do stuff, they tend to snowball out of control pretty fast. But the other option that you have is to draw a bunch of cards. And if you can do both, awesome. But when you're drawing cards then you're able to draw the small creatures and play them. And so if you have effects that allow, you know, every time you play a small creature to draw you another card, that might be another small creature that you can then throw down. You're not going to miss your land drops because you're going to be running into your lands as you're just drawing a whole mess of cards. And then on top of that, you get to create that board state that you're looking for where you have a bunch of creatures. And then you can leverage cards that, um, like, so let's say actually you have, this guy, let's say you put Mentor of the Meek in a deck that has a whole bunch of soldiers. You know, it'd be very easy to create a white weenie soldier deck with Mentor of the Meek and cards like, um, it, it, it's escaping me, Coat of Arms, you know, where all of your soldiers get buffed. You know, things like that can could go a long way. You know, that, that you could do a lot with that. Because once you have that incredible board state, once you start adding effects that give all of your creatures plus one, plus one for whatever condition, be that a coat of arms where you're getting, you know, ones per, um, you know, per creature that shares a creature type with it, you know, that's something. Or if you have something like... Um, any kind of... Well, Anthem, I believe, is a card where it just gives everything plus one, plus one. You know, I know that that's a, an effect that we often refer to as, you know, cards that get plus one, plus one. Um, yeah, there are so many different options. So, yeah, you have those. Um, actually, there's one, a Leon and Sun Standard is one that doesn't get a whole lot of appreciation that I think is surprisingly solid. It's an artifact that costs two, and you can activate it with one generic and one white, and it gives all your creatures plus one, plus one. So it's a mana sink for late in the game. It doesn't you know, in this case, one of the nice things about that is if you're using the effect of something like Coat of Arms that gives everything a static um, bonus, it comes into play with that bonus. And so it's not, it, as a result, it's not going to trigger Mentor of the Meek's ability. So the engine is going to go offline the moment you put something like that down. However, if you have an Anthem effect or some kind of buff that only applies right before you swing, in your post, sorry, in your pre-combat main phase, you can have Mentor of the Meek down. You know, play a whole bunch of little critters, draw a bunch of cards, and then use whatever mana you have left over to beef up. You know, spend just whatever you've got in even increments to just buff everybody up. That actually, you know, you could do a lot worse. Yeah, all in all, Mentor of the Meek is great. And I also, the flavor text makes it really clear that it the, it belongs on Innistrad. And actually, when you look at the the clothing, he's wearing a uh, kind of a leather vest with kind of a white linen shirt underneath it. Uh, it, it has very much that, um, that feel of, you know, I guess I don't know the time period with which we associate like the universal monsters and Innistrad itself. Um, you know, I'm not exactly sure, but it definitely has that feel to it. Also, I gotta say, this guy's sword, uh, I haven't looked into this, or I haven't really zoomed into this before, but he's like standing in kind of this very, um, this pose that is like, it's almost a battle stance, but it looks like he might be overextended a little bit. It really looks like he's in the middle of some kind of a move. Um, and he's clearly showing 
um, something. He's clearly showing some kind of a move, some kind of a stance. Actually, it looks like he's stepping forward with his right foot. Um, I'm guessing the next thing he's going to do is swing that, that sword around as if he's going to chop something's head off. That's my guess. Um, and he's showing these people the proper, you know, proper stance for doing that. And he's surrounded by, um, other soldiers kind of in the background or other, actually, they don't really look like soldiers. It's a lot of other uh, people, presumably townsfolk, in kind of just robes or, you know, billowing coats, basically. And he's clearly showing them the ropes. And his sword itself is like a very, um, it's very bright. It's very vibrant. And it has a really cool kind of ornate cross guard on it. So he's clearly some kind of you know, he's clearly a military leader or veteran of some kind to have such an ornate weapon. Also, I suspect that it's actually made out of silver, which makes sense if he's fighting werewolves, which, based on the flavor text, the flavor text and the fact that it was originally printed in Innistrad, I'm fairly certain that's the case. So that's really cool. And I've seen this card drop across the table from me a number of times in Arena because it is standard legal right now. And uh, Or is it standard legal right now? I know it was before rotation. Um, let me double check that. No, it is not standard legal anymore. I apologize, but it was standard legal in M19, which cycled out last September. So a few months ago, this guy was fairly common with the Johnny's pride mates and those, you know, that white weenie strategy. Um, it's changed a little bit since then. And I'm actually really grateful that a card and card draw engine like this is not still legal. But my point is I've seen this guy hit the table a number of times, well, the virtual table anyway, and it, the detail that he's on Innistrad, that his blade might be made of silver, and that he's specifically hunting werewolves. Also, I mean, even just the the crowd dynamic around him, I hadn't really been aware of that. So it's kind of fun to zoom in on these and really take a look at it. Which, of course, is exactly why I'm doing this show. Alright guys, this has been a lot of fun. I will catch you next time. I stream over on Twitch, twitch.tv slash hamhawks42. I would absolutely love it if you came over, um, hit that follow button, and just said, hey, I stream every morning, 5.30 to 6.30 Eastern Time. Well, every weekday morning for now. And uh, that's actually my morning workout as well. So I'd love to see you there. Thanks so much, and I'll catch you next time.